Show number 41 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. <sighs> okay, so first we'll do the stuff we know, then we'll do the stuff we don't know, and then we'll just fake it. I think that's perfect. And you know, I think on our last show, we faked it a little <laughs> I have never faked it more than, like, the last half hour of that show. But that was great. I was listening to it, and it was such a total geek out. I mean, I can imagine that people sometimes think that, that you know, maybe we're not really Star Trek fans. Because, How could they think but that? But that whole discussion about Kirk and Spock at the Academy, and then and the, the casting. And the and, shirts. And the shirts. Like, how geeky is that? That is so geeky. That's pretty geeky. So I just I think it's good that once in a while we sort of stand up and show our true Star Trek geek colors. You know? <laughs> yeah. I am saluting <laughs> you in every way right, I can think right. of saluting. Um, and I wanna I wanna just geekness. let people know that um, I think this is the first time ever we're recording a show where it's actually been light outside. <laughs> it's daytime. It seems so weird. Every other time we uh, do no, this no, no. at night. That morning, Sunday morning in L.A. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Of course, it's hard to tell. But that was weird. Yeah. But yeah. the sun is shining. We have the window open. I was just thinking that in case people hear um, noises, it's because the window's open because it's a beautiful right. day. Right. <clears throat> so and here we thank are. Thank for the weather report. <laughs> now moving on to sports. Here we are on show 41. Now it's the news. It's show 41. Yes. And we're so happy to be here. Show and we 41. have tons of news from around mm-hmm. his butt. Mm-hmm. So, um, the first thing I have is an email that I really, really want to read because it's hilarious. And it's from um, one of our listeners named Bob, Bob D. And he has a great, great story to share with us, which is relevant because um, it relates to this thing at the Museum of Television and Radio about Boston Lingo, which I haven't watched. Okay. So, um, we don't know what was in it, but here's a little preview. I know some of what was in it. Okay. So, he says, hey guys, as a devoted look at his butt listener, I love that. Um, I couldn't couldn't help but report on my first William Shatner sighting. We're we're in on it. Through a friend, I had a chance to go to the Museum of Television and Radio seminar on Boston Legal, which included the major players in the cast, uh, including David E. Kelly. They played a preview from tonight's season two finale, were interviewed by an editor from Television Week, and then took questions from the audience. Both Spader and Shatner played themselves on the panel. (laughs) Who did Candace Bergen and and Renee play? They probably couldn't even get a word in edgewise. (laughs) Um, Spader kept interjecting arch comments into others' answers, and Shatner hammed it up continually. I love this. Shatner also shilled the show with characteristic zest. And charm and hotness. And hotness. Saying he had never experienced anything like the public feedback he was receiving on Boston Legal and that it was bigger than he's gotten for Star Trek. Yeah, well, he's lying there. But it's a good thing to say. Yeah. I mean, he's (laughs) shilling for the show, so it's a good thing to say. I fortuitously got into the post party at the 21 Club next door, at which Shatner stayed, as far as I can tell, about three minutes. I did have one cool Shatner moment, though. As I was at the bar, a waiter frantically came up with a full glass of scotch and handed it to the bartender. The bartender asked what was wrong, and the waiter said that the guest of honor didn't drink young scotch. The bartender looked confused, and the waiter exclaimed, You don't understand. Mr. Shatner does not drink scotch less than 25 years old. The bartender explained that he didn't have any, and the waiter told him to go downstairs and get some. Mr. Shatner insists on 25-year-old scotch, he said. I sheepishly looked at my glass of 12-year-old Macallan and took a swig with a grin. Wow. 
Wow. Okay. Thanks. Oh, thank Thank you, Bob. What a great email. That was just wonderful. I love that. That is wonderful. And, you know, this brings up an interesting topic because I have heard that Bill never drinks, that he's a teetotaler. Mm -hmm. I've heard, no, 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 he only drinks beer. Mm -hmm. And I've heard, no, he's an alcoholic. (laughs) Or D, none of the above. And, And now D is... He only, only drinks twenty-five-year-old scotch. scotch. Mister Shatner, Mister Shatner drinks twenty-five-year-old scotch. If you bring him young scotch, <laughs> he gives it to Doodles. <laughs> he likes young women and old scotch. That's right, in that order. Because he's a real man. <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of the um, them being at the the Lincoln Center thing. Yes. When we take a break, I have something to show you oh, from that good. that you haven't seen Yay! yet. I'm so excited. Because it just sort of popped up today. Yay! So that's to look forward to. That's great. I'm looking forward to that. Well, let's see. Um, I have um, something that's really funny that I think we can um, we can make fun of. It's always good to have stuff to make fun of. And I think mockery. I think you'll enjoy this. Welcome um, to the Mockery Hour. This is the Mockery part of the show. And um, I actually came to this via um, sort of a roundabout way from my other podcast, the comics one. And uh, this was a comment that was on... Um, a blog when someone had been writing about women in comics and that it doesn't, it seems like sometimes there are lots of women who read comics and sometimes not so many. And and this person was just kind of exploring it. So then there's a comment from a guy and I'm not going to say what his name is because we're going to mercilessly make fun of him right now. Um, So here's what he says. I'm going to quote this and I think you'll enjoy it. He says, all I can speak to is females who enjoy comics. Finding one is rarer than finding a $5 hooker in Beverly Hills. Believe me, I've tried. Girls don't... Wait, to find $5 hook? I, I, I don't know. He just <laughs> digs himself deeper and deeper. Girls don't get the geek label as often as guys because no matter what, a female can always be hot no matter what she's doing. Take a guy and dress him up as Frodo and he's a geek no matter what he looks like. Take a girl and put her into one of those elf outfits with the short pants and curly shoes and the male mind starts fantasizing. Take a guy and dress him like a Klingon, and you've got a big fat doof who's got no shot of getting laid. Whose is misspelled? (laughs) Take a girl and dress her up as a Klingon, and the male juices start flowing. It all comes down to the natural reaction of human beings. We see a male walking down the street naked, and both men and women will start to laugh no matter how hot the guy is. You see a hot female walking down the street, and both men and women start to get aroused. Simple psychology. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There are just so many things wrong with that. I don't well, know. You can it's also start. that he keeps saying, put a hot female in this outfit. Have a hot female walk down the street. But then it's just a guy in an outfit. Right, He's right. not saying, put William Shatner in the outfit. You know, put a hot guy in the outfit. Have a hot guy walk down the street naked. And I guarantee you, if it is the right hot guy... I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm totally not laughing. I'm looking for phone numbers. In fact, I can speak to experience on this because when I was at Berkeley, there was the guy, the naked guy. The naked guy. Who recently passed away. I was I very oh. sad to see that because he was such a nice guy and he was hot and I used to see him on campus all the time walking around naked and nobody laughed at him yeah. nobody laughed at him yeah um so I thought that was interesting and then I was thinking like dress up a girl as a Klingon and the male juices start flowing I have to say the Klingon that we saw up in Sacramento con there were some women there mm-hmm. they look just as doofy as the guys or more yeah I don't recall feeling juicy no i didn't feel juicy either and i want to know how he knows that when a hot girl walks down the street that both men and women get aroused because of simple psychology 
Like, what's the reasoning behind that, do you think? Well, because women are just hotter than men. <laughs> so, I don't know! <laughs> it's like, so, so basically, um, only, only women can arouse men, but women get aroused by anything. Well, and is he saying that if you put a guy in a Frodo costume, a Klingon costume, he's instantly a geek? Mm-hmm. But you put a girl in a costume, and she ceases to be a geek? I think what he's saying is that he has a costume fetish. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Because he gets a little too explicit about the um, elf outfits with the short pants and the curly shoes. Yeah. He's thought about this a little too yeah. much, I'm thinking. Yeah. And he probably has these really badly drawn pictures of the girl who sits next to him in math class in a Legolas outfit. <laughs> Send him to my little story about the costume <laughs> fetish. It's called Curiosity, a Cat Fight, and a Costume. Or something like that. It's an oldie. Uh, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, so I just thought that this was really interesting that this person posted this and, um, you know, in public for people to make fun of. Because it's just so weird. I just think it's strange. I also wonder, you know, take a guy and dress him up as Frodo. So I, I guess what we're saying is that all those girls who think that Elijah Wood, when he's actually playing Frodo, he's hot, they must be wrong. There are people who think Frodo's hot? Oh, lots and lots of people who think Frodo's hot. Wow. Not me personally. No, I just didn't know that. I I mean, I knew there were, were fangirls for the elf and fangirls for um, Aragorn. Yeah, but And no. fangirls for, for Boromir. Mm-hmm. But... Hmm. Okay. Yeah, lots, lots hobbits. of hobbits. Hobbit fangirls. Hot for hobbits. Um, especially Is Elijah it, Hey, Wood. does somebody have that screen name? Hot for hobbits? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's something about those big blue eyes, you and know. And those hairy feet. And those hairy feet. And that hairless chest. I mean, he does look like he's, I don't know, We're trying to kill a old. mosquito. There's a little bug in here. Uh, anyway, so I just wanted to share that with you. Well, thank because you. Because I thought that was good. And have one other short thing to share with you. Um, and this, again, references um, my comic show. And the funny thing is that I think I got an iTunes review from Rude Person. <gasps> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so thrilled. Read this to me. This is for the comic show, right? Yeah. Um, so the first part is funnier than the second part. But I just love it because it's perfectly Rude Person syntax. Oh, goody, goody. And I have to say... I don't care about reviews. There are four reviews up for my show, and three of them are really good, and this is the one that's not good. So the other ones all have five stars, and this is one star. Aw. I'm assuming it's a guy. Well-produced and constant. Not quite sure what that means. Maybe he means consistent. Maybe. Or maybe he just means, like, constant reader. But the opinions expressed are often poorly thought out and attacking. (gasps) Shame on you. <laughs> They're attacking. <laughs> just generally. Just generally. Not any object, just attacking. Then couldn't he have made up a better word like attackful? <laughs> <laughs> I found myself disagreeing with most every review. I'm sure that there's many out there that appreciate it, but just not for me. Okay. <laughs> That's the whole review. <laughs> okay. So I like it that I have attacking reviews. Yeah. Yeah. And... The, the, and you're constant. Yeah, and, and the fact that this person, you know, listened to more than one show and took the time to say, I disagree with everything, but I'm listening to it anyway. That's okay. <laughs> that's good. He's constant, too. <laughs> so 
thank you, rude person, for writing that review. It made me laugh really hard. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. So I like that. Okay. Can I talk about my news? Please. Okay. Please. This week, yeah, I got a video iPod. <gasps> Ooh. And I am so glad I did this because I stood there in the Apple store for God knows how long going, oh, the Nano is so tiny and it's so lightweight, but... You know, it'll only hold a thousand songs, and I have so much more than a thousand songs, and do I want to rotate songs in and out, and it's so much work, and, but the video one's bigger, and it's almost as heavy as my regular, my old three-year-old iPod, but oh, I know if I don't get it, I'll want it, okay, so I got it, oh, oh my God, oh my God, this is such, this is money well spent, people run out and get one. And get the 60 gigs. You're going to want it. I got the 30 gig, and I'm already going, hmm. Really? Because it's already filled up with 29 gigs worth of Star Trek episodes, right? <laughs> well, I found somebody online who said they had them all on their iPod and, t- and told you how much they took up, <laughs> which is not that much, so I'm not worried. But, um, you know, at first I was like, oh, wow, photos, you know. So I put the photos of my dog on oh, it. Oh, wow, this is so cool. This is so fun. And then I thought, okay, let's see how the video thing works. Well, you know what? It doesn't come, like, with a, a free sample video. <laughs> For you to play with or anything. It's Steve Jobs going, hi, don't steal music, right? Yeah, no, nothing like that. So I thought, well, maybe if I go to the iTunes store, there's a, a freebie to get me going. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. So I'm like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? So I go to my computer and picked out some of the, the vids, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we have and that friends have given me and everything. And you have to drag them into iTunes, mm-hmm. and then it says, I'm going to convert this, okay? Okay, with me. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't convert anything. It didn't like any of my formats. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. I converted one thing. But um, so I went online and got free software. I did not steal software. This is free Yay. software. One rips from DVDs mm-hmm. into the iPod format. Oh. One converts just about anything to the iPod format. That's great. So I started out small. I did a little three-minute video. Uh-huh. I put it on there. Oh, my God. The resolution. It is so amazing. It looks so <sighs> good. It, it just... I don't know. I completely forget it's it's this uh-huh. little screen. Probably because I'm watching things I'm so familiar okay. with anyway. But so I was like, okay, great. Grab the Star Trek DVDs and start ripping them. Okay. It takes... About four hours to rip a one-hour episode God. down to this uh-huh. format. Now, part of it could be my computer's kind of tired, you know. But um, so I do it at night. I set it sure. running. Yeah. So I got it on there, and here's the big test. I took it to the gym, mm-hmm. did my warm-up, listening to my music and everything. I set it on the little stand monitor thing, whatever it is, on the elliptical, mm-hmm. and I hopped on. And I started watching, what was the first episode was I watched? Bread and Circuses? It was Bread and Circuses. <laughs> I started watching, which I accidentally ripped the DVD with subtitles. <laughs> so, anyway, I've got subtitles in case I can't hear it. So I'm plugged in, I'm watching this. It looks so incredibly fantastic. There are no commercials. Here's the biggest plug I can give it. I loved it so much that I increased my time on the elliptical, <laughs> and I'm now doing 50 minutes a day because that's how long wow. it takes to watch a Star Trek episode. Oh, that's great. So I'm getting a really good workout. You could do a whole endorsement deal based on that. It makes you exercise more. Well, you know, since I got my original one, which was just music, I was always saying the most important piece of gym equipment is the iPod. Uh-huh. It's the iPod video. Video, video. Mm-hmm. No, that totally makes sense. So 
even though it comes with a, a piece of crap um, dock adapter and won't work with my old dock, so I had to go buy a new dock to put the piece of crap dock adapter in. And yes, it does scratch easily, so you have to put a skin on it, which makes it look not as nice and slick and wonderful, but does protect mm-hmm. it. It's still, it's so good. And it, it, this is how good it is. It makes me wish I traveled a lot for business now. <laughs> Oh, it really makes me want to get one. You should get one. It's I probably really, will. Really worth it. I have it. some money for it because yeah. I, as soon as you started telling me, I was just thinking about all the things that I could be watching that I have no time to watch right now. That's just it. You know, when people send us things or links to things that yeah. are really long, it's like, oh my god, I don't have a half an hour to sit in front of the computer mm-hmm. and watch. You know, I have to be working. Well, now I can pop them onto here mm-hmm. and. Watch it, you know, at the gym where I'm getting my workout, and I'm just so excited about this. Mm, that's and great. you looked at it; you saw how it sharp looks. It, it looks gorgeous. It's amazing how good the screens are now. Really, quite amazing. Uh, well, I'm very jealous. I'm totally jealous. Well, you know, I have always hesitated to go out and buy the box DVD set mm-hmm. and everything, and now I'm glad I didn't because. I have, you know, a few, my mm-hmm. favorite episodes on DVD, and now I can get them onto the iPod, and I can order the others from Netflix mm-hmm. and just, you know, rip them, and that's going to take some time, but that's okay. But really, if they're smart, because they always want to repackage this stuff in new forms, so we will buy it, Paramount should start putting those episodes on DVD and put them up for a dollar ninety nine a piece, or whatever should. it is they're charging for movies. They should. They totally should. Oh, my God, they would sell so many of those. Uh-huh. Ah. Yeah, people and I went looking for that, and it's not there. Wow, that's stupid. Yeah, that's stupid. Because it's not like the video iPod came out last Tuesday, like I was the first in line or something. But it's great. Oh, that's good. (sighs) Jealous. It's really jealous. Well, and I am going to be so fit by the time (laughs) I get through all eighty-four episodes. You should be superwoman. Then I'll move on to the movies. And wait till you see me after doing two hours on the elliptical. <laughs> or, or wait, if you were watching the first movie, oh. the extended version, that's like five hours, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine Lord of the Rings? Oh but I'm not God. that hot on Lord of the Rings. But, yeah, that could probably kill you. You know, I think it would be hard to watch Lord of the Rings on a video iPod just because um, of the scope of it. I mean, wouldn't you have to letterbox it or something? Well... It would be like, you know, when you have it for a TV. Well, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking this is probably not the best um, media viewer to be mm-hmm. using for something that's meant for the big yeah, screen. Yeah, but it's or great. that you have never really seen before. Yeah. But it's really good for this. Yeah, or TV shows in general, I think, mm-hmm. which tend to work in much closer shots well, than uh, movies do. Yeah. You know, like headshots and just two shots and stuff. Well, years ago, um, when my husband and I were in business together, we had a really big project, and it was really boring, and uh, or parts of it were really boring, but paid quite well, and lasted quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I was going to be all alone in the office for hours on end doing this boring shit. And I brought in the TV and the VCR and all the Star Trek movies mm-hmm. and had them on, one yeah. after the other. And I wasn't really watching them, just sort of having them in background. Oh, yeah. And I was going... I've been doing this for eight hours. I can't believe it. the time just zipped by. It's true. I don't know if I if I told you this, but um, when once I had a job working for um, Excite back mm-hmm. in the early early internet days, and my job was reviewing websites. Oh, cool! Um, and you got paid. It was piecework. It was like a sweatshop. Actually, it was being sweatshop work. And so they would they would assign each of us 
I don't know. Wait, wait. I want to stop you right oh, now. Yes? Because just hearing that you were reviewing websites and probably sweaty at the time, has turned on every man and woman in the audience. Because you put a woman in front of a computer and get her sweating, and they're all turned on. It's true. They are. Well, let me tell you more about it. You'll okay. see how sexy it really was. <laughs> what it meant was that they would give you some ridiculous number of websites to visit every week, like a 100. And you would just have to sit at the computer and click through and look at them and then write a little, like, paragraph's worth of review. And it was supposed to be fun and witty at the same time. This was back when you could do things like that because people cared about what other folks thought and would Mm -hmm. actually... There weren't that many websites around. So I would stay up all night. I would just start doing this at, like, 10 o'clock at night because I was on dial-up and do it until 4 o'clock in the morning or something. So there I am sitting in front of the computer, exactly the same situation. And I couldn't listen to, like, loud music or anything. So what I would do is I would put in episodes of Mystery Science Theater on Mm -hmm. my TV and just listen to the soundtrack with my headphones on. And I'd seen them so many times, I knew exactly what was happening. So I just kind of let the soundtrack go, and that was, like, my most favorite thing to do. It was great. Yep. (laughs) So I'm I'm giving a big positive to the, the video iPod. Now, let me ask you something. Was mm-hmm. that video iPod a birthday thing? No. It wasn't? Um, I bought it because I needed a new one. My old one mm-hmm. was really dying and not mm-hmm. holding a charge anymore. And um, also because I was buying myself this rather expensive gift, mm-hmm. I told my husband, just just get me a little something mm-hmm. for my birthday. <laughs> last night we had the discussion i can't think of anything and i told him something i wanted he goes well couldn't you just go get that yourself (laughs) and i said i could go get anything myself (laughs) well what's the point of a gift then i said i don't know (laughs) and his birthday comes up pretty soon after mine so we have decided that because we've been buying things for the house and we can pretty much go buy things for ourselves anytime we want we're not doing gifts oh that's we're just I going out that. to really, really nice dinner. I think that's great. Yeah, which we do anyway. Works, so, yeah. so I wanted to to by the time this show is up, it will in fact be your birthday. Will it? Uh, will it or close to it? Close to this isn't going to go up for a little while yeah. anyway. But um, I won't have for you the gift that that I don't have it now. But I will have a gift for you soon. Well, I can totally missed yours because. We could never. Oh, I know. Well, that's okay. We have other stuff coming up, and it's not like we're not going to be friends anymore. So I think that's okay. Okay. However, (laughs) I do have a little gift to give you today, which I wanted you to open on the show. It's just a little thing, but I think you'll like it. So, um, happy birthday to you! Oh God! (laughs) Here you go. So. Listeners, it is wrapped in red, and this is really red shirt red. It is red shirt red. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm going to rip. You can just rip it because it's cheap tissue paper. I love tissue paper. Meant to be ripped. Totally what, meant to be ripped. What can this be? This was one of those gifts where I saw it and I thought, oh, I should get this. It wasn't like a lot of planning kind of thing, but I think you'll really like it. It is. It's a Star Trek big on it. They're all so cool. 30 postcards. <gasps> they come in this nice little box. Ooh. Ooh. And they have Ooh. cheesy graphics on them. <gasps> now, I took the, I went and looked through them before I bought them, and there are some incredible Kirk ones in here, which I think you're really going to like. This is fucked with indigestion. <laughs> right. Now, so live long and prosper. Oh, my. Oh, my God. So it's a combination of... Um, uh, <laughs> 
shots. Brain, 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 what is brain? It's a combination of um, promotional pictures and then clips from the actual series that they did from film. I mean, you can tell by the, the resolution yes. that they took film clips. And put I've them got there. this postcard sitting over there. <gasps> There's some real, and they're all different. They're all from different seasons and different episodes. And they have um, dialogue from the episode right yeah. along the bottom. Oh, mirror. Yeah. He looks really good in that one. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Look at his eyes. Look at those done. eyes. Yeah. Oh. The dancing girl. Yeah. <gasps> that is great. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Now, I don't have enough clutter <laughs> hanging on all the walls around my computer. This is definitely going up there. They, whoever picked these out did a great, great job. You know what I like about this one? It can be the companion shot to Bill doing Bill the Cat. <laughs> it's Leonard doing Bill the Cat. He's got, yeah, he definitely looks like oh. it. Oh, that's nice. What is Devil in the Dark. I knew that yeah. was Devil in the Dark. Oh, Shauna. But look at him, he's so he's happy. He's so happy, he's smiling, he's smiling. Oh, oh, the, oh, the gorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> oh, God, the butthead people. The Enterprise. Some nice pictures of the Enterprise. Enterprise. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. They're so oh. nice. That's that's a wonderful thing. Where did you get these? At a comic book store. Really? I was buying comic books, and I was at the checkout counter just looking around, and I saw these sitting there, and I went, oh, these are great! And the guy behind the counter was like, oh, yeah, those are really nice. <laughs> you know what? I read, so speaking of comic books, I read something just recently that, like, years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, Bill appeared at the comic book convention in San Diego. Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Why? I don't know. <laughs> you, should, you should find one of your comic geeks who goes way back and mm. see if you can get the scoop on that. I will. That's really interesting. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is like the size of a little paperback. Yeah. And it's new. It just came out. <laughs> okay. Did you read the back? No. What's it say? Space, the final frontier. <laughs> Embark on a voyage with the crew of the Starship Enterprise. Captain Kirk, Spock, McCoy, and the rest from the classic television series appear in this intergalactic postcard box. <laughs> An essential addition to any Trekkie's collection and the perfect way to energize your communication with new life and civilizations. <laughs> That's so silly. And then it gives you a website where you can see the full range of Star Trek uh, gift products. Oh, it's a gift product. It's not just a collection of cards. It's a gift product. It's a gift product. TM. I know, isn't that cute? They put the little symbols. I love the packaging. It's really? Really nice. Really nice. Really nice attention to detail. Yeah. Very, very good job. Chronicle Books. Chronicle Books, yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Well, you are It was very designed welcome. by Henry Quiroga. Well, he did Quiroga, a good job. Something like that. So the other good thing is that, you know, you can rotate the postcard, the cards in some spot if you wanted to, so you could, you know, change That's them true. out every month or so. You That's have different true. things to look at. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Maybe I'll use one of them to write a thank you note to you. <laughs> uh, okay, do we want to talk about more stuff now, or are we going to go watch Boston Legal? Um, let's go watch Boston Legal. Okay. And uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about that. We have a ton of stuff. Okay, that sounds good. So um, let's hear some of that fine, fine Star Trek music, and uh, then we'll be right back. Space, 
the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us. We would love to hear from you. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email, links, and sound files to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook using GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. You found the best podcasts in the universe. sort of cut together. Wow, that was a lot. And mm-hmm. we watched most of it, which we is did. very unusual for us in mm-hmm. Lost and Legal. Well, we wanted to see all the Parker Posey mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, we wanted to see all the Bill stuff. Mm-hmm. And then really the only other plot line was Brad's niece. Right, because it involved only blonde people. Yes. And that was very boring. Mm-hmm. So it was good that we skipped it. Yes. It looked boring. So that was the season finale. And it really was um, a very fast-moving mm-hmm. episode that covered a lot of ground. But I want to talk about, at the very beginning, they show previously on Boston Legal. They showed a ton of stuff. They showed a ton of stuff because mm-hmm. all those little plot lines, apparently, were going to come into play. Now, considering the Alan and Denny scenes that were all part of that previously on Boston Legal... Mm-hmm. Do you feel you got the payoff? No. Good, because I didn't either. <laughs> I thought, wow, this is really leading up to... Them getting engaged or something. Something, <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, in that scene in the restaurant when, you know, Denny was mm-hmm. more or less proposing to him, although it was a request to sign his living will, mm-hmm. I really thought he was going to go down on one knee. It seemed and like they it. did play it that way. The dialogue was written that way. They played it that way, but mm-hmm. it was like... it. It was a faux payoff. Mm-hmm. I agree, because the scenes that they showed at the very beginning were all the most um, romantic. I like the scene of them dancing. Well, yeah, it's like, okay, we're going to remind you they danced. They danced. We're going to remind you they were in bed together. Mm-hmm. We're going to remind you this. So... Mm-hmm. Yep, they, they showed all those So moments. they went to L.A. And, and met Seven of Nine. Yeah. Okay. And that was it. So we should probably recap the plot a little bit quickly. Um, So the plot that we watched um, with Bill was Alan Alan and Denny go um, ice fishing. No, they go to L.A. (laughs) (laughs) They go to L.A. uh, because... Alan's in heat. Because Alan's in heat. And they want to pick up some whores and have sex. Um, 
And also that Denny needs to visit the offices of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt in L.A. and have um, his living will stuff taken care of by Robert Wagner, who works there, whose mm-hmm. name is Barry Gold. Mm-hmm. And he says it just like Denny Crane. Yes. Except uh, one of the things I really enjoyed, especially on seeing this the second time, is Denny introduces him as, he's Barry... C- Denny Crane. He's Denny Crane West. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> and I swear, I thought that after I'd seen this the first time, I was going, Robert Wagner just wasn't good. There was no dynamic to him. He wasn't Denny Crane West. He wasn't, West. no. And I, I don't know if that was him or the direction or whatever. And and we both noticed that the way they had him made up and, and the hair that they used and everything, he didn't look good at all. And it was really weird because when we saw him in real life at the, the dinner, he looked fine. Yeah. He, he looked good and his hair looked fine and everything and he looked bad but they and didn't do TV, a good job that was very strange it was not a good job um so while they're there uh jerry ryan plays some celebrity who um shoots a photographer who she thinks is is trying to assault her or something like that so that's the whole thing where they have to defend her and we were both sort of wondering that suddenly Alan got special dispensation to practice law in California. Because as far as I know, you have to pass the bar exam in every state where you need to practice law. So right. I'm not quite sure how that happened. Right. As, as I understand it, you can sort of like sit at the bench and yeah. sort of assist, but you cannot like sort examine. sort of the way Denny was doing, yeah. Yes, you cannot examine witnesses and, and do all that and stuff. And so whatever. I mean, oh TV. Well, oh, well. Right out the window. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there was that whole thing. Uh, so we got to see, so we should probably just talk about that for a bit and then we could talk a little bit about the other plot, the, okay. the Parker Posey one. Um, so we both noticed that, um, Jerry Ryan did not look good. No. For a number of reasons. And one is that, as you were pointing out, which I hadn't really realized, she is one of those very thin women who, who the thinness is not looking good as she gets older. Her face is starting to get really angular. Mm-hmm. Her cheeks look kind of sunken. And the, that um, strange magnolia color of lipstick, yeah, and the and the the eyeshadow that looked more like bruises yeah. wasn't doing her any no, favors. No, that they really were not making her look good. No, which was odd. I mean, you think that they could do more with that, but no, she really just didn't look very good. And as I was watching it, I was reminded of something I read recently, and I can't remember quite the context, but it was some guy had written this thing mm-hmm. that Meryl Streep is the ugliest, beautiful woman in America. And his explanation was, women look at her and go, oh, she's so beautiful and ethereal. And men look at her and go, what a hag. (laughs) And I was watching Jerry Ryan going, okay, from a woman's point of view, she's the ugliest, beautiful woman. Totally. Because men are like, oh, look at those tits, look at that body, and there's fake blonde hair, I love it, she's beautiful. And I'm looking at her face and going, what a hag. Yeah. She's got just a terrible profile, long pointy nose. Yeah, in the very last scene that she's in, she and Alan are sort of nose to nose, and all you see of her is her profile, and Mm -hmm. she looks bad, Mm -hmm. really bad. And we were both going, why are men attracted to her? And this was another big um, tell-don't-show thing, you Mm -hmm. know. We're told that she and Alan feel this attraction. Yeah. And where? I I saw nothing. Nothing. I saw it where you could see the attraction in his scenes with Parker Posey. Yeah, yeah, but in this, it was just it wasn't there. No. Um, as we were watching it, I was trying to figure out who I thought Jerry Ryan looked like, and this is a very obscure reference, but um, if any of you doubt me, go to the internet and look up pictures. So a long time ago in the '60s, um, 
Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones had a girlfriend named Anita Pallenberg, and Keith Richards stole her <gasps> from him, along with many other things. And she and Keith Richards were together for a good long while. And she was a very beautiful woman when she was younger. She was blonde, and she had this great face. But, of course, she and Keith Richards did heroin all the time. And by the time, like, they'd been together four or five years, she started to look really bad in exactly that way. Like, her face became very Mm. drawn. And you could see that underneath it, she had been beautiful. But she just looked wrecked all the time. Wow. And that's how Jerry Ryan is starting to look to me, like mm-hmm. someone who once actually had a really nice face, and now it's just, there's something going on that's making her not be beautiful anymore. Well, her features are so harsh and so angular, and it is accentuated, as you are saying, by her being so thin. Yeah. You know, really, she needs a few pounds just to soften her. Yeah. I, I and agree. she's not a bad actress, really. No, she's okay. She, she, she brought um, some nice qualities to the performance, mm-hmm. I thought, but it's just... This is, this is supposed to be a beautiful woman? Yeah. No. No, it wasn't. And there was just way too much emphasis on her tits. I mean, okay, she's got big fake tits. We know that. Everybody's mm-hmm. known that since she was on Star Trek. But they made such a big deal out of it. with Well, Denny. I kind of felt be... that was the joke. Yeah, but it was still... It was a joke like the first two times mm-hmm. they did it. And then by the fifth time they did it, it was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. You can stop now. She's like running that right into the ground. Now, Denny did have a really, really great line. <laughs> he had a couple of good lines. But the one I liked was the one he said to her, which is, Marry me. Your 15 minutes are almost up. Mine have lasted a lifetime. Yes. And I just think that was like one of the better meta moments. It was very good. Of the season. It was very good. And you can imagine Bill actually having said that to someone at some mm-hmm. point. Well. Or believing that it's true about himself. I was going to say, certainly all of us have thought it, you know, oh, that yes. all these other supposed stars and Star Trek stars and people who have gained their celebrity along the same path he uh-huh. has, have, where are they now? Yeah, yeah. And there's Bill doing it. Still out there. Batting them over the fence. <laughs> Emmys. Two. Two. Two Emmys. Um, I, 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 I did such a fangirl thing. When they showed the balcony of Crane, Poole, and Schmidt West, which was obviously the same balcony. They yep. had just redressed it. And by the way, um, so I've been just ranting and raving about how the backdrop looks so good when they show it on TV mm-hmm. and how it looks so fake when you see it in real life. For L.A., what they used was extremely bad back projection. It looked horribly fake. Yep. It looked as bad as any back projection that they used in, like, a Warner Brothers movie in 1945 mm-hmm. when they couldn't afford anything and they would have two characters walking along, fake walking, yes. with, like, the street scene in back of them, <laughs> yep. like in All About Eve. Or when they drive the car. Or when they drive the, the car. Yeah, the, their window. It was that bad. It was awful. But the cool thing was that they had the same furniture, but it was orange. And the reason that that made me laugh so hard was because when I was Googling around, uh, like, a month ago, looking to see if that furniture was the Philippe Stark furniture, I could only find the orange ones. It was really hard to find the white ones. So every website that I looked at had pictures of the orange ones as the model. And I was like, fuck, I really want to find the white ones because <laughs> that's what they have. And then, of course, they end up using the orange ones for L.A., which just it cracked me up. Anyway, that was funny. Um so, see, it's in my notes, the yeah. orange patio furniture <laughs> right there. Um, let's talk a little bit about the other plot that was in the first episode, which was the one with Ed Begley, because that oh, was pretty okay. funny. Um, so he was a character that had been on before. Right, the one who he and his wife were divorcing and fighting over the orgasm machine. The, the Victorian sex 
um, toy. therapy toy. Yeah. So he was back again because he had gotten caught with a hooker this time around. And, and he was very good playing it really, really straight. Um, and one thing I noticed at the beginning, because it's a hooker-oriented episode, they showed, as they often do, um, the Hollywood conception of what hookers look like. And I think somebody, for once, should just show like pretty much what real hookers look like. And what you said they wouldn't do that because it would make people sick, right? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I see hookers. I see them in Oakland. I used to see them all the time when we'd be coming back from New York, and they'd be hanging around like the Holland Tunnel and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Pretty rough. Yes. Pretty darn rough. And not the least bit sexy no. or sexual. No, no. The not girls at all. you see on TV, they're all like, you know, come on, and really trying to be seductive. There's nothing seductive in that business. No, not And there's at all. nothing seductive about being in that business. And are you a good seducer would not be a question on the job no, application. No, definitely not. Not if you're a hooker who stands on the corner trying to get, Mm-mm. you know, $10 a blowjob or whatever. So right. anyway, I think that was that was a big mistake. Um, but then, oh, did you want to mention your friend? Oh, yeah. Because that was okay, good. This, this was so silly. But um, when we were on the lot, well, okay, backtrack a little. As some of you may know, I may have mentioned, I used to do some acting with no success. You can Google me all you want, and you will never find me. You will never see me in anything, you know, unless you went to live theater. But anyway, um, years and years ago, I worked with a, a guy, and uh, for about a year, we were in a troupe together, and lots of fun, really talented. And I continued to see him on television. He continues to work all the time. That's wonderful. And so when we were on the lot at Raleigh Studios, I was thinking, God, you know, he's been in Boston Legal once playing a cop, and I should keep my eyes peeled because it's not inconceivable Mm -hmm. that I would run into him. So in addition to watching for Bill and Bill's car and everything else, I'm watching for my friend Dennis. Mm -hmm. And of course, didn't see him. And afterwards, I thought, geez, that was so silly. What a dope you are. So I sit there and I watch Boston Legal and there he is. He was the, the cop in the scenes, the early scenes with Brad's niece mm-hmm. at the police station. I was like, oh my God, I couldn't even believe it. I was so oh, stunned. That's so funny. Anyway. That's, that's just great. Well, that was very cool to see him. Um, so that was the other plot line that continued pretty much those whole two episodes. Yeah, it was, it was Brad's niece. Something with Brad's niece. But again, blonde people, not really interesting. <laughs> we didn't watch it. Well, but the interesting thing is that when they write this sort of standard TV courtroom crime drama, it's not interesting. No. It's, it's, it's when they're doing the weird, quirky stuff mm-hmm. that the show is interesting. Because... I think partly it's because there are there are and have been so many courtroom dramas that it, we've seen it. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that there could have been, we've seen it already, right. and we don't need to see it again. So the only way you can generate interest is by having Denny Crane shoot his therapist or something like that. Right. Where it's actually an interesting Well, story. where it is the characters, the lawyers, and in, in some cases the quirky, interesting clients mm-hmm. they get. But this, you know, teenage girl arrested for the supposed death of her teenage friend in drugs. I don't mean to belittle that situation in real life, but on TV, that's pretty standard fare. It is. It's probably been like 55 different Law & Order episodes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You've seen it. Um, so I wanted to, there was a line in the, the Ed Begley um, storyline that I could not believe that they said on television. So... Part of what happens is that he was videotaping his encounter with the hooker, um, and 
that's part of what goes into the case. And he says to her, tell me your quim is quivering. (laughs) And of course it's funny because she doesn't know what that word means. (laughs) And she says, you mean my cooter? Yeah. My smoo? My smoo. (laughs) So she does ask what's a quim. What's a quim? Which absolutely cracked me It's a very funny joke. But, you know, that's not an uncommon word, especially in porn. I mean, I've read books, porn, straight porn books, where, you know, of course, because the writers lack imagination, they go to the, the thesaurus and they look up every um, mm-hmm. synonym that there is for pussy. And quim is one of them that I've seen in lots and lots of books. I didn't think there was a word you could say on television. Well, it's a fairly filthy word. I'm thinking that... They got away with it for a couple reasons. Mm-hmm. They went, quim, and somebody said to him, it's an archaic term. It was used in Chaucer. Yeah, yeah. In, oh, okay. in Shakespeare, even, yeah, I think it okay. might be there. Okay, so we, we can have we that. We can have it in there. We can have it in there. Or, they didn't know what it meant. <laughs> they figured they made it up. The writers made it up. Yes. is a made-up word. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, you know, there is a story, and I believe this is true, that um, in the early days of Saturday Night Live, when mm-hmm. they had John Belushi and all those people on, and the stuff that... that they came up with in the scripts absolutely drove the censors insane. Mm-hmm. But there was one line that absolutely got right past this this middle aged sort of bookish accountant looking censor, uh-huh. and it was because he didn't know what it meant, and he just <laughs> let it go. And it was a reference to backdoor, oh. meaning anal sex. And it just, it went because he didn't know what it meant. They were like, "Cool, don't tell him." <laughs> That's too. Funny. He just thought it was a not very funny sketch. What's the point? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, well, we'll, we'll worry about that. Oh, anyway, so there you go. Quim on national television. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, so, let's see. Oh, and then, <laughs> this was really funny. So, uh, the whole filming of it becomes the turning point in the case, and they're trying to argue that because he was making a pornographic film, it was protected by the First Amendment, and... So they have to prove that it was actually a film. So as their expert witness, they have Wes Craven, the director. <laughs> he was so funny. He was really good. Very deadpan. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, I mean, probably the way he really is in life, you know. And it was so funny to see him just like being on the stand. Yeah. So, so tell us, Mr. Craven. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly he's like a pal of David E. Kelly or, or Bill knows him or something somebody. like that. But that, that was really good. <laughs> and then they ask him at the end, Mr. Craven, is this the worst film you've ever seen? And he says, nope, not by a long shot. <laughs> it was good. That was really funny. Um, so that was that, and, and Ed Begley ends up getting off, so that was the end of that. Um, so the other plot that was through these two episodes, and who knows, could be continued through more, was that Parker Posey was on as a new attorney and has a rivalry with Denise, and that was ongoing throughout this. But she's also... Um, attracted to Alan, and that is also ongoing until the very end of it. And we were both thinking that um, because of Alan's interaction with her, where he clearly has some sort of mystical hold over her that she doesn't like, um, it's a it's a meta reference to this movie that he was in called Secretary. Yes, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. Well, did that. and what I liked too about the attraction between the two of them was it was it was completely. Feral. Mm-hmm. There was no question of, let's go out for drinks. Right. Let's get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, maybe work on a case together. Anything like that. It was, we're going to fuck. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's. It, what is it he said, um, as long as it's 
uh, not dirty or something, and 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 a little bit painful. Oh, right. A bit. I mean, as long as it's wet and it hurts a bit or something, which really mm-hmm. was sort of the secretary reference. And it, it 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 was just it was an interesting thing to see. Yeah, yeah, it was good, and they both did a really good job of that. Mm-hmm. I thought they had him. You could see that she is such an in control person, and he totally rattles her. Yeah, yeah, and and he was doing it very deliberately by sort of you know stopping and looking at her mm-hmm. and. and looking through the glass at her when she was in a meeting yes. and kind of making a... And then he got her, like, really to the edge yeah. and said, I'll be back from L.A. LA and yeah, leaves, and she's really, like... Oh, good, good. That was really good. I love yes. that. Yes, and she's wonderful. And I'm thinking, I would just love if she joined the cast. Mm-hmm. And we don't know at the end, you know, because Denise was told she's not making partner mm-hmm. ever. Right. And then uh, Michael J. Fox came back into the story, apparently cured, and... Uh, <laughs> Or something. <laughs> or something, and asks her to marry him. We don't see her answer, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, maybe they're giving her a graceful out. She marries this guy and leaves, and Parker Posey comes in, and I was thinking, part of why that appeals to me so much is this character of Denise had none of the interesting quirkiness we've seen finally starting coming out of Brad, mm-hmm. and that is what you need to hold your own mm-hmm. in that law firm. And on that show, yeah. she's sort of the the straight man that everybody else plays off of, mm-hmm. and it's not working. So you bring in an edgy character like Parker Posey, mm-hmm. who I think it's interesting. The the women lawyers we've seen, the young ones, are all kind of you know nice, mm-hmm. and and they want it to be a family, and they want them all to be friends. And I'm thinking. We're talking young female lawyers here, and they have got to be as cutthroat, if not more so than the men. Mm-hmm. And we should certainly see one who we believe is similar to what Shirley must have been at mm-hmm. that age. Yes. And we haven't seen that. Yeah, she's good. She's very, um, she's provoking, mm-hmm. which is good. She provokes other people to do things. And she seems to be very well connected. Whatever mm-hmm. you put her on, oh, I went to high school with him. My cousin, mm-hmm. you know, did his orthodontia, his kid's orthodontia, or whatever. There's a reason. I think that's something they could have a lot of fun with, yeah. too, is her connections. Because up until now, we've seen the junior people have to go mm-hmm. to Shirley and to Paul and people like that to to milk their connections. She's got her own. Um, and as Shirley points out at the end... Um, one of the reasons that they want to make her partner is because she's just brought in a lot of business. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you make partner. It's not about how well you get along with your colleagues right. or how how nice you are or anything. It's about how much business you bring in. Right, that's and why it you're is a, a business. Yes, yeah. yeah, as they point out. Um, so um, to skip over a lot of stuff, there's there's hijinks that ensue. <laughs> I'll come to that in a second. <laughs> oh, but... I'll just skip that for a minute. We'll come back okay. to it. But, but I just wanted to say, while we're on this subject, there's a scene at the end where Shirley um, has to sternly speak to both Denise and um, Marlene, Parker Posey's character, because they've both been acting really stupid. And I thought that was a really good scene. Yes. That that she, that she you really believe that, that this was Shirley Smith, Schmidt, who is a lawyer who's been doing this all her life. She has this authority that she just does not choose to show all this time. And when she has to exercise it, she does it very cleanly, very simply, very directly, mm-hmm. and will not tolerate any shit from anyone. Right. And that, where when she's talking to the both of them and saying that they've both behaved really badly, and, and Marlene starts to look away, and she says, don't look away while I'm talking about you. Mm-hmm. That was really good. It I mean, was. I thought, so that, that was a great, great scene. And I wish that they would let... 
um, Shirley show that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You don't often get to see her in the authority position within the firm. That's usually Paul's job. Right. And he sort of blusters a little bit more. But she's very good when she's showing that very quiet authority. I like that mm-hmm. scene a lot. I thought yep. that was excellent. It was. It was a very good scene. Yeah. So the hijinks and, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's like hijinks and... and um, Antics and uh, you know all the all that rapscallionry that they got up to and and the the plots that they were hatching and you know it was really like an R gang movie. Um, it was supposed to be slapstick and I thought it was really bad. Yeah, the 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 chase two there of them two chases through the halls and, and in the second one they even played the Warner Brothers music. Now mm-hmm. a lot of times people say Warner Brothers music meaning like the music that mm-hmm. they played in Warner Brothers cartoons. This was the music that they played yeah. in Warner Brothers cartoons. I think they lifted mm-hmm. it from a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. And it was just I don't know, it, it was so overdone and so not funny. You know, seeing them flying through the air and then Parker Posey comes around a corner and crashes into a, a filing cabinet and it's like not funny. No, no. Trying way too hard to be funny. Mm-hmm. I was very, I was disappointed that they did that. And and we were talking a little bit about it. And the things that are funniest on that show are much more understated and much more within the context of the show making sense. And the reason I think that wasn't funny is because it doesn't fit with anything else we've ever seen. And it, it didn't have the subtlety of uh, Bill in a wetsuit. <laughs> See, Denny Crane would do that. That's just it. You wouldn't... I mean, we've never, ever seen Denise act like that. We would never see her running down the hallway or pulling out a filing cabinet so that someone would go into it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just not the way her character has been written so far. She would never do that. Yep. Whereas Bill... Denny would definitely put on a wetsuit in the middle of the day and model it in the mirror. (laughs) So we could look at his butt. So we could look at his butt. I wish they hadn't done that kind of... I think, what, what the, the slapstick thing. I think oh, the slapstick. No, no, yes. not the wetsuit. Oh, no, 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 not the wetsuit. No, 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 the slapstick thing. I think yes. it, I think yes. it cheapened it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they did something that they just didn't need to do. Um, I want to talk about Bill Kisses Two Women in this episode. Oh, please. One of them is Jerry Ryan. And, you know, he sort of sweeps her yeah. and, and bends her back. And it's very much a, a Tom Cruise sort mm-hmm. of a, a kiss, which nobody does in real life. And then he does have a kiss with Shirley. Because it's sweeps week. Because it's sweeps week. <laughs> As he says. But even though this isn't the um, the tonsil caressing that he promised her, it isn't a closed mouth kiss. Mm. His mouth is open a little. Mm-hmm. But also, it just looked to me like he was he was so close to, to going for a real <laughs> Kirkian... <laughs> Sort of, you know, kiss that just goes on well after the cameras have stopped rolling. How many times do you think he made them shoot that? (laughs) Well, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking um, that it probably took great restraint on his part to make it what little bit of, is this a word, platonicness, platonicity (laughs) there was to it. I think that was difficult for him. I'm sure it was. Whereas I, admit, it was easier for him to do the hammy sweeping Jerry well, see, Ryan. I, I just, I was, I actually thought this when we were watching it that he swept her up and he bent her over backwards in his arms like he was dipping her in mm-hmm. a dance. He kissed her and the director said cut and he dropped her on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought that, but I did. 
But I I loved that little kiss with with um, Shirley, and there was a lot in that. And maybe I'm just reading too much into it. No, go go read read. But it seemed like. They make this big deal out of him pursuing um, Jerry Ryan's character, and he keeps saying he's going to marry her, and she's going to be mm-hmm. the sixth Mrs. Crane and all that. It was funny. But he gets... That one kiss from Shirley is so much more meaningful to him mm-hmm. than that whole thing pursuing her or even these other women that he's talking about sleeping with, that it means so much to him that that Shirley, who he used to have an, a relationship with and he now works with and they tease each other all the time, that that one kiss from her just had so much in it and just the expression on his face, you know, there's mm-hmm. like longing and nostalgia and happiness and regret. I mean, there were just so many different emotions mixed up in that, that I think he did really, really well. But just as he's stepping out of camera, the last expression you see on his face, I swear to God, it says, I still got it. Oh yeah, of course. So do you think the kiss from Shirley meant more than Kate Smith? <laughs> Probably. Wow. I think so. Because I think he respects Shirley more. Yes. I think he's really still in love with her. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he would marry her in a second Mm -hmm. if he could. He Mm -hmm. says that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah. But at the end of this episode, Shirley (laughs) kissed me. And then does he say, I think I'll marry her? He he says, maybe I should marry her. But I love when he comes back from L.A. She goes, Danny, you're back. He goes, I am. I am. And she goes, married? No. (laughs) Good try, though. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) Danny gets married, apparently... At the drop of a hat, same as... But, oh, also the lines about how did you get into the wet suit. <laughs> says, a lot of Vaseline and Chuck from word processing helped. <laughs> Too bad we didn't see Chuck from... Maybe that's who the blonde guy was who was so distracting in the courtroom was Chuck from word processing. Oh, my God. They, they flew him out. In this courtroom scene, they kept... As they would pan over the audience of people, I guess he was supposed to be a sketch artist because they actually had a shot from his perspective right at the beginning where he was sketching. Do you know who he looked like to me? Who? Do you remember years and years ago when, when Brooke Shields was still a teenager and she did that Blue Lagoon movie? Yes, The yes. white blonde um, guy with the very white yeah, blonde yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, what's his name? Christopher uh, something, Somebody. Something like that. Yes, you're right. And it was that distracting shade of white blonde. It, it was like this nimbus of white blonde yes. hair that this guy had. And he was wearing a bright blue shirt and they had him positioned right in the center of the frame mm-hmm. so that whenever there was a, a shot of both attorneys, he was right in the middle. Yeah. And you couldn't help but notice him even when he was out of focus. Oh, also, listeners, we watched, we were trying to pick them out, the two bitches from, uh, you know, outside Dad who sat on the bench. We never saw them. Didn't see them. So they didn't even make the final cut. <laughs> <laughs> and they thought they were better than us. Yeah. Bitches. Fuck them. Uh, we were definitely ooing and aahing, like, we were there, we were there. Whenever Jay they... Parr, Jay Parr. <laughs> We were there. We were in the L.A. courtroom. Look, there we were. Yep. Right there. I touched that. I touched that thing right there. Touched it. Speaking of courtrooms, I hope they're going to have Howard Hessman on. Oh, he was good. As a judge. I like him. I think I like him as one of their better judges. I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's good. Anything. He's a funny guy. Um, so there were a whole lot of different threads. Oh, we got to see um, Brad and Denise fucking. Yeah. At least once. In bed together. In, in bed together yeah. and kind of rolling around and stuff. So, um I guess that's going to end now that Michael J. Fox is back. Well, yeah. If, well, I mean, if she doesn't leave the the firm, she's not going to have well, sex with Well, that's the anymore. other thing I think. The possibility could be that she marries Michael J. Fox, and then because he is so rich and powerful, they almost have to make her partner now yeah. that she is married to one of their rich, powerful clients. That's true. Or she starts her own law firm. Or she starts her own law firm with Lori. 
called Two Blonde Chicks Talking About Legal Stuff Are Us. <laughs> um, what happened to Alan's crazy assistant? She wasn't in this episode. Thank goodness. I don't know. I, oh, I hated her. Fun. I didn't like her at all. I was just wondering because... You know. And it's amazing they put so many blonde women in this show because they obviously don't have a clue about how to put makeup on them. It's so true. And I was saying, as we were watching it, there were so many blonde women in these two episodes. There was, you know, um, there's Denise, there was Brad's sister, there was Brad's niece, there was Jerry Ryan, there was at least... Shirley. One, there was, well, Shirley, but she at least looks distinctive. But for me, all these blonde women look exactly the same. I mean, I could not pick one of them out of a lineup. They just look like the same person to mm-hmm. me. They have... They're not, their faces by themselves are not particularly distinctive, and they don't make them up to look different from each other. No. They all look like the same person, so the and same makeup. The other thing is, there is, there is no personality there, there no character like showing through their eyes or uh-huh. their face or something. It's just a face with, with makeup on it that is, is lit to be on TV or something like this, but it's like, who are you? Do you, do you have n- nothing within you that that communicates in any way? I don't know. I, I wish they would do a better job with them. Yeah. Oh, well. I guess, you know, they've got so much attention focused on Bill and Jane Spader. So looking forward, what do you think is going to happen next season? What oh, are you gosh. projecting? What are you oh, imagining? Let me think. I, got, I haven't even thought about this. Um, I think that um, Denny Crane will be on the show. Good, good, good. I think that um, Alan Shore will probably be on the show. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> are those good predictions? <laughs> those are good predictions. Now, part of what's going to be interesting next season is I just read a thing in the paper, and you know, with the rearranging of schedules and everything, I believe they're still going to be on Tuesday night at ten, but they're going to be up against, um, I think, CSI. Oh, that should be interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I could see them. I could see them really pushing the boundaries with with Bill's character, mm-hmm. and not in a good way, because they've gone starting to see some real deterioration. Yeah, because they've done that a couple of times this mm-hmm. season, and we've we've talked about that. And I think that they brought it way back for these last few episodes, um, where his character wasn't played nearly so broadly and, mm-hmm. and didn't get really obnoxious. But they could definitely decide that next season they're going to go all out and have Denny be even more crazy. So that could happen. You know what I would like to see. Too. I would like to see sort of a last hurrah for Denny. What, not just not just a case, but like a whole episode, a, a whole a case and everything where it just clicks and you see the Denny Crane of, of yesteryear mm-hmm. in control and, and running the whole thing, not just a glimpse of it, as we have seen it. And mm-hmm. It's always been very effective. But really, if they are going to, to shoot him down, I want this last burst yeah. of glory for that him. That would be good. I think they're going to give Alan a girlfriend. Like they had, they gave Denny Bev to mm-hmm. come between them. I think they're going to give Alan oh, a girlfriend yeah, to come between yeah. them. Yeah. I think it'll be seven and nine. Oh, I hope not. Yeah. That would be a bad choice. Yeah. Because there's nothing between them. There's just nada. Um, I, it'd be interesting to see if Denise is still on the show or if they decide to have Parker Posey on as mm-hmm. a regular or semi-regular even. Yeah. They could do that. Um Let's see. I, I hope that they give Brad more stuff to do. I mean, he is a partner now, so maybe he'll be mm-hmm. in the show and let him do his funny stuff. I mean, he did have one little, very funny, I thought it was funny, little scene where the people in Boston are all watching the press coverage 
Yes. And of course, they you know, Denny and Alan have gone out there for no particular reason. And now there they are on national television at the center of one of the biggest trials mm-hmm. of the year. And what does Brad say? Wherever they go, they get they get all the good stuff. <laughs> not fair. He says in his frat boy voice. Yes. And then he kind of looks at the TV and he jerks his thumb and he's like, that's not fair. <laughs> you know what else that's I great. like? It's <laughs> the scene where they pull up to the restaurant and all the photographers are out there because apparently it's a celebrity mm-hmm. restaurant. And Denny gets out going, hi, Denny Crane. And they're all taking his picture like mad. Yeah. And Alan gets out and he goes, I keep forgetting you're famous. Yeah. And I thought... And then, and then Denny says, I am well known. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but I'm thinking, you know, that's sort of like Shatner Spader in a microcosm. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> because it's true. Do you remember at the uh, at the the Hollywood charity dinner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when Bill was auctioning off the thing to have brandy and cigars with him mm-hmm. out on that balcony in the the strange patio furniture, and somebody said, "Will Spader participate in that?" And there's this pause, and then Bill goes, "Doubtful." <laughs> like, no. <laughs> No, and one of the, the things I'm going to show you, I'll just tell you about this one little bit, is it's a clip of the recent Boston legal thing at mm-hmm. the Museum of TV and Radio. And it's very funny, just the one little glimpse you get of Spader, because the, the lights, the applause, the whole thing, Shatner's totally in his element, and Spader looks like he would sooner be digging <laughs> ditches with two broken arms than doing this star stuff. And Bill thrives on it. It's well, his lifeblood. He does, but it's also, I think, the idea that he realizes this is part of the job. Mm-hmm. And you do this with the same enthusiasm and energy that you do every other part of the mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. There was quite a bit of meta stuff around, I think particularly Shatner's fame in mm-hmm. this, because they, they have some discussions about the price of fame and how it is when people are tracking your stalkers. Podcasts. Podcasts. And we kept saying that. (laughs) Podcasts. People who put up celebrity websites and who, you know, take pictures and... Podcasts. Podcasts. (laughs) It was very funny. But there's one part where um, Alan says to um, Jerry Ryan, what's her name on the show? Courtney. Courtney. What a stupid name. (laughs) One of those stupid... Courtney, in court. Get God, it? Get it? Courtney. One, one of those ridiculous, fashionable girl names. Mm-hmm. In, oh, God. Anyway, um, he says something to her like, it must be so strange to be um, the center of so many people's fantasies and the object of their obsession. Mm-hmm. And I, I think more than anybody on the show, that's really about Bill because yeah. he is the most famous person on there, mm-hmm. the, most, the one with the most visible celebrity. And he has been for 50 years, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I was taking... His 15 minutes of fame have not ended. Not at all. So I was thinking that a lot of the, the references that they make to fame and what it's like to be so famous mm-hmm. is really about him in this one. Yes. Even though he hardly had anything to do in the actual court. No. He just kind of sat was a there. Presence. Yeah, just looking at her, looking mm-hmm. at her tits. But we, there wasn't a very good scene when... Uh, he is trying to convince Alan to go to L.A. with him. And I just love that scene because he was so so Denny, but so Bill at the same time. Mm-hmm. He just comes popping in, and he's so excited about going to L.A. And he's yep. saying, you know, to Alan, he's like, um, I heard you're in heat. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> yes. What does that mean? <laughs> what does Alan say? Usually lots of sex. Yeah. And he's like, oh, me too. <laughs> Where do you have sex? Yeah. 
<laughs> and of course, I'm thinking the answer is going to be that famous newlyweds thing, right? <laughs> In the, the butt, bed. Bob. <laughs> But uh, it was just so good that he was so excited to be going to L.A. and taking his best friend with him yep. and going to pick up some whores and <laughs> all the women having tans. And what yep. does he say? Yep. They haven't lost their winter fat the yet. The Boston <laughs> women haven't lost their winter fat. They're pale. They're pale. That was good. It was. And you're right. It, it was that that burst of enthusiasm and everything is very much Bill. Because I remember one of the people who planned one of the paintball games that Bill was at. Or was somehow an organizer or something. Talking about, in the middle of the night, he gets this phone call from William Shatner. Going, I had this idea. <laughs> he instantly jumps into action. He does. He's amazing. Oh, so, that's it for Boston Legal for the summer. Yes. So, you guys are, if you want to hear about Boston Legal, you have to go back and listen to the old episodes <laughs> if you missed any of that stuff. While it's in reruns, I don't think we're going to be doing any recaps or anything. Uh, no, we won't be doing anything like that, but we have such a, a, a library of things to, to view and to talk about. Oh, yes. And Bill, not having to do the show, oh, I'm sure is going to be in the new season Israel right now. Did you know this? That's right. Well, the, he talked about that at mm-hmm. the horse show. Yep. That he was helping to organize um, um, a day camp for, for kids, just sort of in the way that the, um, oh God, what are they called? The the people that the benefit was for. The Hollywood Charity Horses. Right, but the... Ahead with Horses. Ahead with Horses, thank you. Sort of the equivalent of Ahead with Horses for, for children in Israel, which is just a wonderful thing. And, and part of the thing that I've read about it is the idea that it will be open to, uh, to both Jewish and Arab children, mm-hmm. so it's going to be not just promoting... Horse riding and and health benefits and things like that, but togetherness and learning yeah. and so so that's great. He's going to be all over the place. We he just will. know it. He's going to be everywhere. So we will have lots of stuff to talk about through mm-hmm. the summer. Um, so I think is that it. Are we I think, doing this? I think so. We're what good. we're going to close with is um, a little recording that we just did of the last lines of the episode. And these were, in fact, the lines that we were present while they were recording. Yes, while they were. Now, the interesting thing we both noticed was that um, after the music swells and goes out, um, they actually did a few more lines of dialogue, which got cut. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't totally everything that they recorded. They did a few more lines after it. And we heard them. So we know what ended up on the cutting room floor. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel all Boston legaled out. Well, I feel really, really happy too. You know, I feel like season two was a really good season. It's a great season. Lots of great stuff going on and... I'm I'm looking forward to what they do next year. I am too. So, listeners, if you would like to send your predictions oh, yes. for what would happen in the next season, please, and we'll read everybody's on the air, and we'll mm-hmm. we'll kind of keep a, a running tally and see what they actually do next yes. season. That'd be fun. That'd see be how fun. right we are. That's right. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So, please listen to the last few lines of the last episode of Boston Legal, which we were there for. <laughs> and you may even hear us in the background going, squeeing. <laughs> And then we'll see you soon. America the beautiful. Ah. Next season, my friend. Same night. God, I hope. Good.